0: The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience here at your one-stop shop of truly independent conservative talk, news, analysis, and vision. What you will not hear elsewhere in the phony conservative media. It is Friday. Yay. That is the one piece of good news we have today. It's Friday, February 15th. You know, as I'm recording now, it's early Friday afternoon. And like I told you, I hate weeks like this where things are so fluid and obviously you want to comment on things you know are going to happen they didn't yet happen um Trump has not yet signed his um big amnesty bill and i'm just scanning to see whether it happened recently i'm you know presumably it's going to happen so i think we could speak as if this is done and he gave his press conference today about declaring an emergency although the exact details of what funding from where under what statute is unclear. So let's just keep that in mind as we begin our discussion today. Neil, you know, this is the type of week where I wish I was away. I wish I would have went on my anniversary trip this week. Normally I don't want to miss a big week with a lot of news, but for this week I just it's just too painful. I mean, that's the thing. Every time you know, Steve Days calls me the prophet of woe and lamentation, and I always predict what's gonna happen. You guys know I didn't I didn't think it was this bad. I mean, I thought we would just lose you know, we would wouldn't get anything from it ultimately. Not that it had to be that way, but not that we would go backwards and downright pass an amnesty provision. It's still unclear from to me whether it lasts just until the end of the fiscal year or indefinitely until you have a new statute. I know I said it, I said it the latter yesterday. It's still unclear, and that's the thing. I, I now could tell you that Debbie Wasserman Schultz is the one that was able to add in that provision in 224A of this bill. It's roughly page 40 if you look at the PDF, and the language is very categorical. That anyone who asserts, merely asserts that they are the sponsor, a potential sponsor, or living in the household of a sponsor or potential sponsor of a UAC MS-13 punk from Central America, and really anywhere else, that individual is shielded from deportation. Now, I want to clarify, there is one caveat. It says in the text that... That if DHS used the information from HHS processing the UAC to go and find the sponsor and deport them. So theoretically, you could say, well, if you don't get your information from HHS, but where do you think they get their information? As Jessica Vaughn told me, naturally, it's going to be from HHS. That's how you're going to know. Anything else, they're going to have to litigate now and prove a negative that they didn't get the information from HHS. So some people are using that as an excuse why maybe it's not as bad as I'm saying. But this leads to the broader point that the crisis we have, as you guys well know, is all single handedly caused by the courts. Right. That is why we have the sharpest and steepest, most precipitous surge Media's focusing on total macro numbers compared to the worst years we've had previous decades, but it's the sharpest surge, and it's still going up and hasn't plateaued because of the court rulings that kids are your ticket. So much so that not just the kid gets released, but even the parents get released. So when you go and add a new provision that allows anyone to traffic a kid now – and then say, hey, I'm a sponsor. I'm a, I'm a potential sponsor. There's no there's no process. Every other amnesty we've had in our history, there was some sort of application. There's no application. Now, they're going to say, of course, there's no application because it's not an affirmative status. It's not like a permanent affirmative status like you're an LPR or you get a visa. You don't get a visa officially, but you're shielded from deportation. So that that is amnesty. That, that, that's a problem. So to come back at me and say, well, um, it's only if you get the data from HHA. I mean, the, the courts are overturning clean deportations straight out of statute. So now that you have a statute explicitly saying they can't deport, albeit there's some sort of qualification there, give me a break. They don't recognize. It's like. What's the solution and the courts more rather than going after the courts? Which leads me to Trump's executive announcement, which is still very unclear. Trump is picking the wrong executive action with the wrong messaging at the wrong time mixed with the signing of the wrong bill. And not doing what he should be doing and just screwing all of us and embarrassing all of us who defended him on executive action and really want to solve this issue. And this is the problem we've really had since the beginning of this presidency. That every other Republican sucks and won't be a leader on anything. He's the only one who will on and off kind of speak to our issues. But then it's the worst mix because on the one hand, he's the first one to kind of generally talk about the problem of drugs and gangs but then does so in the most incoherent weird way i mean i don't know if you guys watched the press conference today he talked a lot about drugs it, he i literally thought he was on drugs today reminds me of when i was speaking to a da special agent uh, this week he was describing the toxic uh, the pharmacology of mixing opioids with psychostimulants like meth And it looked like that's that's what he was on today, the mixture of the two. He was just like, he was insane. So first of all, I got to mention this. You guys saw that Trump got up there and repeated the speech that he said in New Hampshire that I was was citing during the jailbreak thing, how we create all these blue ribbon commissions. We give the drug traffickers a slap on the wrist. They need the death penalty. That's how you solve it. This man just signed a bill. (laughs) lopping off between the front end and back in half their sentences of the very worst cartel traffickers that we're talking about that are, that are almost all illegal aliens. It's unbelievable. Is the guy playing with a full deck? He His brain just doesn't get the mutual exclusivity of night and day, of red and blue, of black and white. He'll say one thing literally three minutes later. I mean... I don't think he's a con man. I think he's missing some screws. And I don't say this to insult him. You guys well know that I predicted this. Three years ago, four years ago, during the primary, I backed Ted Cruz, but I never wanted to rub that in. I don't want to be proven right. It is what it is. He's all we got now. And we got to make it work. But by excusing everything, you're not going to make it work. You're going to make Jared and all the idiots around him work. Kirsten Nielsen was for this. It's just got to work. So my goal is, you know, it's easy for me to sit back and just from now on say, look, see, I told you so. I told you that you'll never be able to get between him and. Javanka, I told you that while he talked a good game, there were signs that he was going to screw us on immigration. And once he does that, it will be worse than even Jeb Bush or Marco Rubio because he has such respect from conservative base and conservative media that he'll just get them to go along with what they would never do under Bush. I was very – we were very worried about that. I'm not – I don't want to be proven right. I want to get this right. So a lot of this might be repetition, but I I think we need to go over some of the points individually. So the problem is we're caught between a rock and a hard place where you have a president taking what's perceived as executive action that's very big – Declaring an emergency and then having like a stand-up comedy routine, I mean that's really what it was. He certainly didn't demonstrate that it was an emergency in a a proper way. You know I think it is a major emergency, and there's nobody in the country that has spilled as much ink and has said as many words demonstrating in the most unique ways – All the different angles of all different parts of the border and all the different repercussions, why the last nine months of migration in particular has turned into an emergency and why the trajectory is getting even worse and to stop that trajectory is urgent. But for the most part, that's not the case he's making. And therefore, both politically and a little bit legally, it puts a lot of us in a tough position. There's a lot of things that are true at the same time here. Multiple things that, that 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 are true at the same time. Now, let me just say from the onset, I still believe in my in what I've said before that section 2808 of the Emergencies Act of 1976 there's nothing in there that creates justiciable limitations on the president. Congress delegated that authority. Whether you believe it rises to a national emergency is a political question that Trump needs to rise to the occasion, which thus far he is not, both in his rhetoric and in the sequence of policies that he's choosing to enact. But to be very clear, like, so I, None of you think I I believe that, oh, so therefore he should be taken to court. No, I believe there's nothing – there's no justiciable limitations. These are political questions. How much of – how is it really supporting the military? Is it really a a, – what do you call it? A a, a legitimate emergency? That's a political question. Number two – It is my belief that nobody should get standing. It's amazing. Trump himself stood up there the whole time like, yeah, the courts are going to come in and we're going to have – he admitted that any district judge he's going to listen to and just hoping for the Supreme Court. Meaning if you want to come with executive power – You come like a mensch. You come and you say, this is an emergency. You speak that way. Here's why. Here's what I'm doing. I'm following the Constitution, and this is what we will do. The courts need to respect separation of powers, and no one should get standing. There is nobody who could say, I'm entitled to defense funding. I mean, even if you would have some sort of contractor or some sort of city that would get DOD funding, there's no way you could prove that that reprogramming of this billion dollars is going to hurt you. It's very hard to conjure that up without seeing it. But as you well know, that's not going to stop the ACLU and the organizations and the Democrats and the courts. And Trump himself already preemptively announced That he's going to listen to any nationwide injunction on emergency powers, which would be unprecedented for a court to do it. But it's unprecedented for the courts to do a lot of things they've been doing the last few years, but they do it anyway. And Trump never asserts himself. He doesn't take the right executive action. If you're going to take executive action, if you have one bullet you're willing to fire in that chamber, push back against the courts and say, I am declaring Article 2 and 212F which has been unchallenged and actually survived challenged in the sale case in the late 1980s that even, even and that was an asylum case, that it overrides all migration. I'm shutting down all. I will not take anyone in at our border at points of entry, between the points of entry, you will be returned. Done. That will shut off the migration. It will take away the weapon of the cartels and done. Okay, that is the cleaner thing. Policy-wise, it needs to be done second of all in general to combat the courts. He needs to assert Clarence Thomas and say nationwide injunctions are nonsense, which there's a lot of even more established legal commentary behind him on that. But instead, he did the opposite. He empowered him. Yeah, it's all up to you and you're going to enjoin me and I'm going to listen, but hopefully the Supreme Court. That's the force multiplier here. And as we've discussed, the wall is not the issue, especially not 6.5 it's hard to tell they say 8 billion but I think that's including the phony 1.4 billion that um is never going to get built because the the what do you call those dudes the Rio Grande Valley local officials who are in bed with the golf cartel a number of them have been uh, are actually serving prison time past ones for um working with the golf cartel they're going to veto it so 6.5 billion of all I mean And it takes a long time, so maybe they'll start multiple. Okay, a couple miles here in Arizona, a couple miles here in Texas. They're just gonna, they're just gonna come around that. If you are agreeing, like Trump treats it, like we got to bring them in, assert yourself, say statute says you're a severe victim, and you don't have family, and here their illegal families are self trafficking. Say that. He doesn't say what I'm saying. It's much more powerful than what he's saying, where he looks like a fool oh, this is not about my campaign promise. Uh, We're just, you know, uh, it's emergency and uh, it's not really emergency. But I mean, he basically said that, that you the end to itself is to just say you get a wall. It's not even a wall. It's it's a very partial fence. Okay, so that's nonsense. If you're going to admit that anyone could come in at any time and you're going to invite them in and you're going to listen to the courts doing it, and you're going to wait for John Roberts to bail you out. You're done. The fence is a non is a non sequitur. Especially a partial fence. Because there's still plenty of areas for them to come in. Without even going to the points of entry, which they could totally do. Under these stupid policies that he, he agrees to. It's like, oh, Daniel, you can't push back. No, that takes too much balls. But look at the flack he's going to get from this. This looks stupider. It sounds stupider. It doesn't even address the policy. It doesn't speak to the articulation of the emergency. There's no emergency lack of fencing. We have more fencing than ever. That's a long-term inoculation, like we said. If you have a Democrat president that wants to restart the amnesty policy, so at least we'll slow it down. The emergency is to stop the flow. It's to stop, like what he says, catch and release. So stop it. You have much cleaner executive powers Again, I think you could kvetch Hey, there's a Yiddish word for you. Uh section 2808 of the Emergencies Act. I don't think it's just against him where you could litigate it, but it it, it is a it is a you know, yeah, use DOD funding, like you know. In the event of a declaration of war, this is a statute, or the declaration of the president by the president of a national emergency in accordance with the National Emergencies Act that requires use that requires use of the armed forces the secretary of defense without regard to any other provision of law may undertake military construction projects and may authorize secretaries of military departments to undertake military construction projects not otherwise authorized by law that are necessary to support that are necessary to support such use of armed forces now, again, I don't believe – I believe that's subjective and political delegation of authority. I don't think that's something you could come to court and say, A, get standing, and B, on the merits somehow suggest that, oh, the president doesn't – it's not necessary. That's political. I don't believe that is something that should be solved or can be solved in a court. They'll do it anyway. But politically, Trump is making it very tough for him. Because it's not necessary to support the armed forces because he's not really deploying anymore and he's not even asserting that. I was saying he should do much better. Beef up the military and then the statute will be obvious. But again, let's be honest here. Trump is not doing this because he feels it's an emergency. I believe it is. But it's not what he's doing and it reeks and everyone sees it. He's doing it For the conservative base to say the talking point that I'm building a wall, not as that's part of a solution as an end to shut down the border. It's building the wall as a legacy to itself, which he's not even building. By the way, I really want to watch what happens here because it wouldn't surprise me if even the eight billion is just a bunch of noise and he doesn't wind up building much. A lot of this to me, I wonder is if it's just a temporary thing. To, to um, be used as a loincloth for him si- signing this bill and getting all the Fox hosts to back him now. Isn't it amazing last night how the memo went out to Fox hosts that you have to talk about Mueller and McCabe and you couldn't even talk about the biggest betrayal of all time? And to the extent they had to mention it, they, um, they said that, well, he was forced to do it. <laughs> even though... The entire day, when they still thought there was a chance Trump might change, then they did like me. They said, no, you could do the short-term CR. And now suddenly, no, 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 no. It's nonsense. When we need leadership most, that's when we don't have it. They'll say what we say when it doesn't matter, but when you have a live ball, they'll back down. Every single time. And what this is doing is empowering the courts even more. If Trump is going to stake out his executive powers, it should be on challenging judicial supremacy. Because that's a force multiplier. It's not just this issue, but other issues. It will stop. Other issues as well. But that is the whole enchilada. This entire flow is coming from the courts. Let me tell you something. It is so brazen, this open invite that was made worse in this bill, that basically you now have the entire world, not just Central Americans, coming in. It used to be that there was this fear that we're not going to tolerate you if you come from Africa, or Middle East, like then we're going to clamp down on you. A lot of it's political because there's such a base of infrastructure of political support in this country for Hispanic illegal immigration. Just because that's that's where it's predominantly been, and they built up that political support. But you know, like yeah, if you come here, like you're not going to come come here from other countries. You know the ones that traditionally didn't come. So if they would come, they would hide themselves among the groups that are coming from Mexico or or the Central American Triangle. What's happening now is that in the Darien Gap in Panama, there is a caravan of Venezuelans, Cubans, um, Indians, Africans, Sri Lankans, and some Middle Easterners, Bangladeshis, that the entire caravan is comprised of them. This is something I've never seen before. You would Like if you like that would be a red, alarm, red, red alert. You have like almost a SIA special interest alien of concern caravan. Like, you know, you're putting a target on your back that we're not going to let you in. We're going to come down on you. Why would you do that? But they are so certain that we have said, A, if you come here, anyone who comes here and asserts asylum, we automatically have to bring you in and process you. B, you come with a kid, you're released. So they're gonna come from everywhere, and they are. The next shoe to drop is Venezuela. Remember when we had Joseph Humeyer on the show? There's no greater expert on Latin American affairs than him, that at least I've found in this country. He knows the culture, the politics, the economies of politics, you know, of, of every single. Latin American country better than he knows American politics. And he told us that his biggest concern with Venezuela was the migration. And we're all focusing on Maduro, the, you know, just as a statecraft issue, foreign policy. It's immigration. I mean, there's 2 million people coming out, going into Brazil and Colombia. They could come northward. So this is the first caravan that has a lot of Venezuelans. They're coming northward. Um, how do I know this? So, Hugh held an event, and I didn't get a chance to go down to it in D.C. a couple days ago, where the minister of intelligence for Guatemala under the Morales government, and, and they're pretty good actually, they're trying to, to help, is warning about he, – he, he warned about this caravan, and he said that they're waiting until they get larger numbers and they're going to march northward. Trump could say anything he wants, but they know he's letting them in. The central problem with this administration is that Trump emoted. And, you know, he is more verbose than anyone. So he said this more than Obama. Oh, the kids, the dreamers, the kids, the kids. That's when the migration started. I tracked it. I said it at the time. When he became president, the first four months it went down, it started going up because that that's around the time the summer of 2017 when we had the first DACA fight. Trump has made it clear that he will not, that if you come here with a kid, he's going to keep DACA. He's not going to prosecute you anymore. As Sheriff Wilmot told us, that's the most potent tool. He's going to continue catch and release. However reluctant, sometimes he's reluctant. With DACA, he's not reluctant. He loves it. But the other things, whether he's reluctant or not, that's what they're doing. They're not even – they're doing more than the courts are demanding on them. They're not aggressively even challenging and appealing in a way to, to fully bring out this resolution on nationwide injunctions. As we said with DACA, the court didn't – the judge said explicitly, I'm not saying you have to keep it. It's just you have to issue the administrative policy procedure proper, properly, the APA, and – um then you could do it so this is this is the deal here it's all about the incentives of you coming with asylum and kids the Trump administration is actually doing that more see Obama didn't even do it as categorical as Trump because there were things they clamped down on. With Trump, because of the politics, the courts are getting more involved, and therefore, you know, it's worse. It's at, we're actually worse off than under Obama because they're keeping him on a shorter leash, and he's allowing himself to be put on that leash. He could announce tomorrow. Again, you want to talk about executive action? Get rid of DACA, and that's not executive action because you're undoing Obama's. And you issue the APA. wait the 90 days, Not that I believe you need to do that, but I'm saying if if you want to follow the courts to a T, you could do that. He's not doing it because he doesn't want to, because him and the people around him love DACA. And Jared's already working on that. So if you think, based on the reaction you've seen from the conservative media on jailbreak, based on the reaction you've seen from them this week, if you think that, let's say the Supreme Court finally takes up DACA, and let's say they rule the right way, certainly no certainty. Trump will immediately agree to codify it and get little or nothing in return, and the conservative media will not rebel. I am sure of that. I am totally sure of that. That is what's so scary here. But as of now, he is not demonstrating it's an emergency. If it's an emergency, act like it. Act like it. If catch and release is the emergency, end it. You want to talk about statutes? 212, I mean, I can't say it anymore emphatically. The president has the authority. But I spoke to a number of congressmen and, you know, they're very uncomfortable. If you're a conservative, what do you do? On the one hand, like, He doesn't really have the authority the way he's doing it and the rationale he's giving, but the rationale we believe in, he does. On the other hand, this shouldn't be challenged in the courts because it's not justiciable. but politically it kind of reeks, and there's so many better things he can do. And yes, you could do it in support of the military, but he's not doing it that way. So we're all kind of – Here's the bottom line. I can't defend the guy better than he could defend himself. Okay, that's the issue here. What am I supposed to do? I've made the case for these policies better than anyone. You know, both yesterday and today, right now as we speak, my articles today on the debt part of the bill and yesterday on the immigration part were the top billing on Drudge's website. Most people will be in cloud nine. I don't care. It's not about me. Uh, Hopefully more people will see it. To me, I care about the country. And, you know, I'm trying to help make the case. But when he goes and just undermines it and says things that aren't true, it's like there'll be a hundred things to say about the border, and he'll pick the one thing I can't defend that's a non sequitur. Like Trump is obsessively saying that, you know, talking about the crime in El Paso. The issue is not the crime. The issue is the wall there st- um, lowered the flow of migrants. The cr- domestic crime rate in El Paso is a different point that there's I mean, that that's a different, you know, that's that's not the issue. In terms of the unit, I had Jason Jones on the show. We asked him about it. Anyone from El Paso, I I speak to Mark Morgan. Mark Morgan was the FBI special um, agent in charge of El Paso before he became border chief. Everyone will tell you that the traditional way we have uniform crime statistics, El Paso has low crime rates. But in terms of the corruption, extortion, human and drug trafficking that happens very quietly there because of the corruption of the Beto type of people, that's the problem in El Paso. But he'll he'll choose the wrong thing. And then it's like, Daniel, go and go and write a piece, you know, people go, go on how they're wrong. Well, they're wrong on everything else, but like that point, I mean, it's not even the point, but like, what am I supposed to do with that? But then again, no one's articulating a better case, so we're stuck with him. It's just so frustrating. But that's the thing. I can't do a better job articulating an emergency if he demonstrates it's not an emergency and basically says it. The whole thing's a joke. But um, the better actions to take... R212F. Now, he tried to do a little similar thing. It wasn't categorically shutting down the border, but it was kind of regulating it. And you had the district judge, and he listened. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. It's just unbelievable. I I wrote a whole – I mean, I wrote reams of pieces on it where the most emphatic and uninterrupted stream of case law saying how the president has his own international commerce powers, foreign commerce powers, to shut off immigration that comes into this country. It's that sim- simple. Heck, Justice Thomas believes that a president even has inherent power to deport once they're already here, but certainly to block from coming here. That's unquestionable. Nafi Shaughnessy in 1950. The exclusion of aliens is a fundamental act of sovereignty. The right to do so stems not alone from legislative power, but is inherent in the executive power to control foreign affairs of the nation. And this is what always happened. The State Department in the 1870s always took care of that before the 1880 laws. As Clarence Thomas said, Section 1182F of the Code, which is 212F of the INA, does not set set forth any judicially enforceable limits that constrain the president, nor could it, since the president has inherent authority to exclude aliens from the country. It's like... (laughs) This stuff is so... Like, it's clean. And he doesn't look like he's a thief in the night to get his political thing and it more speaks to the issue. The way to stop the invasion is to shut off the invasion. They're coming. We had Sheriff Wilmot on our show. The best prototype that they're going to build is no better than the 18-foot bollards in Yuma. They're coming over it. Again, I sound like a broken record, but I'm going to repeat it in my article today. In Israel... The reason why the fence works is because they know is because like this, if you don't have the fence, they could sneak in and they might not get caught. If you do have a wall, you could come prepared with infrastructure to get over it, but it takes some time and you will be noticed, at least initially on the cameras, and then you're likely to get caught. What happens if you get caught in Israel? You're either prosecuted or, frankly, you're shot. So therefore, you don't want to get prosecuted or shot. Therefore, you will only go over if you think you can get over without being detected. Therefore, if you build a wall, you don't think you're going to be able to successfully do that. And therefore, it works. Same reason why at the time last decade in Yuma, El Paso, and San Diego in the 90s, the walls worked for those areas. To deter the Mexican migration before we had the lawfare and we treated illegal immigrants like illegals and we actually returned them immediately and often prosecuted them. So, holy heck, I'm not going to go over work to go over a fence because I'm going to get caught. What's the point? But if your object is to surrender yourself, the wall is no longer the issue. Trump needs to recognize that since he made this the centerpiece of his campaign. Stuff has changed. Times have changed. And it's all under his watch that he has codified some of it, he's a little bit caught with a lack of support from Republicans in the courts. But he is agreeing to it. All of these loopholes that should be articulated that they are not true, he refuses to do it. But anyway, in terms of the executive action he should take, in the early 1990s, Presidents George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton signed an executive order directing the Coast Guard to interdict Haitians attempting to come here to claim asylum by preventing them from landing while they were at sea. So it's very similar. Right, because someone make a distinction, well, Daniel, 212F could shut off visas, but it can't shut off asylum, which is nonsense. In what, so in one of the few times this power was ever challenged, sail the Haitian Centers Council, Inc., to look it up, sail the Haitian Centers Council Inc. of 1993 court case. Supreme Court ruled that the order did not violate either the INA or the United Nations Convention relating to the status of refugees because, quote, it is perfectly clear that 8 U.S.C. code, U.S. code 1182F grants the par- president ample power to establish a naval blockade that would simply deny illegal Haitian migrants the ability to disembark on our shores. Do you know who wrote that opinion? Justice Stevens. Nothing could ever enjoin a president from blocking people from coming on our shores. You cannot force your way into the country. And it's not just Congress. The president has his own independent authority, meaning even if Congress would say anyone who wants to come here, you have to let them in. They have concurrent jurisdiction at the border. So what the. What, what happens is the lowest common denominator, in order for them to come in, both have to agree. If either one objects, Congress and statute of the president, they could be blocked. Congressional Research Service has a report on sale, and it says, quote, The courts distinguished between, one, aliens who are on our shores seeking admission or on the threshold of initial entry. And aliens who are within the United States after entry, regardless of the legality of that entry. So, in other words, in other words, what they made very clear is that even if you wind up stepping foot on our soil literally, but if you're on the threshold seeking admission. As opposed to, like, you've been, you know, we catch you in Wyoming, you know, 10 years later. That is fully part of 212F. Because, again, nobody could unilaterally assert jurisdiction. On January 14th, 1998, President Clinton issued a terse one-page order invoking 212F and 215A to shut down all immigration from Sierra Leone as a way of leveraging against the military coup against the government that he, you know, he, he demanded that that until they reinstate the democratically elected government at the time, he was going to block all immigration. And um, what's interesting is 212F says whenever it's in the national interest, you're allowed to do it. Think about it. Clinton invoked the national interest on us caring about a coup in Sierra Leone. Certainly, President Trump could invoke it when they're literally invading our country with drugs, gangs, and everything else. And migrants. Nobody ever thought to challenge this order in court. Okay? But there was a case later on in the Second Circuit where they tossed out a claim from again an asylum seeker from Sierra Leone, who came in, noting that he could not have lawfully. So basically, he was asserting that, hey, you know, I'm an Asylee, you can't throw me out. I'm, I'm 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 scared of being persecuted in Sierra Leone. You can't you can't send me back. So they asserted two twelve F, but he's saying no, but 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 asylum. So the Second Circuit tossed out and noted that he could not have lawfully entered the country at the time, given the president's order. So even later on, not at the time, the president could shut off the speak at any time. So um, that's the story. That's the speech Trump needs to give. It's both better policy and better politics. You know, this just looks stupid. So I don't know what to tell you. I can't defend him better than he's defending himself. I mean, even some in the media are already making fun out of the courts, like how ridiculous the Ninth Circuit is. So why does he preemptively give them that power? Like, yeah, I'm going to listen to you. Assert yourself. Say the stuff we say. Again, he doesn't have the capacity to do that and there's no one around him that's going to get him to do that and therein lies the fatal flaw of this presidency that conservatives don't want to do anything to attempt to rectify so I'm not sure what we're going to do on that front this is just so doggone frustrating all of us are in a very frustrating mode and again just the notion that we all blissfully Agree to the fact that, you know, putting the politics of Trump or illegal immigration aside, just in general, that without any rules of standing, without any ripeness, you know, a case has to be ripe, meaning government is doing this to you. I need it stopped. Right. If a president just issues an order right now, the president didn't do anything. There's no pursuant to this section. I'm taking this amount of funding for the all. All it is is just it's it's a it's a tiny little thing. He just says that the, the the following secretaries and the secretaries of the military department shall take all appropriate actions consistent with applicable law to use or support the use of authorities here and invoked included, if necessary, to transfer and yada yada. Right. There, there's nothing about it that that says anything. So the notion that uh, someone could just sue that and who would be the person to sue but we don't push back against that. Now they're all going on vacation for 10 days anyway. President's Day is now like I guess is a 10-day vacation for Congress. But why ha- why have the other two branches? Really, I mean, this is a separate question from the sovereignty crisis, although it's a it's a Question of individual sovereignty, but you know what is going on here? Why would we do this, even without immigration and cede our governance to to, to courts? Meaning, the, the courts have tried out unprecedented things on trump trump's the first person getting hit with this stuff by him agreeing to it he's setting this as precedent it's done we can never have leverage to fight this the first time they did it you did what are you kidding me the court said you have to issue amnesty the court said 15 to 20 really up to about 20 times you have to continue obama's executive policies the courts, a district judge issued a nationwide injunction when other district judge rule, judges ruled the other way? And really? that No, I'm not... I mean, he doesn't assert that. So um, that's the story with that. I, I just want to sum this up before we move on. There's someone named Jack Goldsmith. He's a Harvard law professor, writes at Lawfare blog. And he had the following Twitter commentary that I think just really sums up the problem here. He said the essential problem with the widespread notion that Trump is declaring an emergency when there is no emergency is this. Emergency isn't typically defined in relevant law presidents always had discretion to decide if there's an emergency and they've often declared emergencies under circumstances short of necessity to address a real problem but not an emergency as understood in commonplace and common parlance. As Cohen Yu, these are two, two prominent law professors put it Presidents have declared national emergencies with little regard to whether a real emergency has actually existed. So as we have seen many times in the last two years, Trump is building on very broad congressional delegations and past presidential practices. But Trump makes what he is doing seem and in reality be much worse because he suggests openly that there is no real emergency. I didn't need to do this quote. Instead of as past presidents did, hiding the ball or using more effective rhetoric in a less divisive context, and I think he's right. I mean that—that's the thing. I can't disagree with that, even though I believe this is as emergency as could be. I want to just move on a little bit to um, just clean up some items for the end of the week before we close out the week together. So I have my article right now. It's the headline on Drudge. The bipartisan spending binge is now worse than under Bush and Obama. So it's amazing as qualitatively and even quantitatively the border migration gets worse. Every year and every month under this administration, the debt is getting worse, $22 trillion in debt. It turns out that we now have, for just the first quarter of this year, just the first quarter of this year, $319 billion in debt. That means that we're easily going to get a trillion-dollar deficit. This is the first time we've ever had it during basically the biggest boom period of jobs, the best job growth on par at least with the late 90s and late 60s. That is the big thing that's indefensible, what Republicans and Democrats are doing. We have never had this much debt during a period of this much growth. That's the key here. You can't blame it on a lack of revenue, and you can't really blame it on growth. You're going to read this article, and you should come away with the conclusion, which I think is true, that two camps are wrong. The Democrats are certainly wrong when they say somehow you could tax your way out of this. Which, frankly, to their credit, they don't even say that anymore. They don't care about the debt. They used to say that. They're so radical. I mean, they just don't care, right? You literally cannot, you know, say that. Nor is Trump correct that you could grow your way out of it. By the way, he said something at the press conference, like something like, "I'm, I'm I'm very into debt. I'm I'm not. It's not an exact quote. I'm for you. You know what I mean? If you watched it, Um, and indeed he is." Pathetic, but you know he promised during the presidential debates. He's like, "We're going to grow our way out of it." You cannot get better job growth than we have, and indeed, it's reflected in the numbers. So, look, obviously, when you have a tax cut, when you have a tax cut, you will lose some revenue. You can't not, and indeed, we lost income and corporate tax revenue, not nearly as much as CBO is predicting. But for the fir- first three fi- months of this fiscal year, you know, it's down about 25 billion between the two or so. But we made it back, both with some of the tariffs helped because there's more excess taxes now, but m- more so with payroll taxes because, again, it's spawning more job growth. So we have the truth be told revenue for the first three months of this fiscal year relative to the first three months of fiscal year 2018. So it's the first clean comparison, apples to apples. All three months of this fiscal year are under the tax cuts. All three, first three months of last fiscal year, were are still not under the tax cuts. So it's a good comparison. Revenue is actually up very, very slightly, 0.2%, essentially unchanged. So that's the key there. You know, some stupid people wanted to suggest – first they were going to say, oh, we're going to lose a bunch of revenue for the tax cuts. Now they're saying, really, it was a tax increase on the middle class, and that's why we got more revenue. No, the devil's on the details. I- again, income and and um, corporate revenue did go down, but payroll tax revenue went up. Perfect. That's what you want to see. More jobs created, but smaller tax burden. So we have record high revenue. And a booming economy. So you don't have – I mean we have like a high baseline of food stamps and Medicaid, but it didn't dip further like it did. I mean to be fair to Bush in his last year and Obama in the first few years of his presidency, I'm just saying you got to be fair. They were dealing with a deep recession. Now, you could blame people for the recession, but it was a deep recession. So A, you have the tremendous downtick in revenue. And B, you have a lot more people on welfare, unemployment, and that type of stuff. Unemployment is like record low now, and still, we're about to reach 1.2, 1.3 trillion in deficits, and then in a few years, it's going to rival two trillion. What a joke! Why have a Republican Party when uh, when all we got from this election is record high spending, record high control of healthcare, and record immigration on many fronts and and that's another thing you know with this whole thing of trump the talking point i got the this the jerusalem the travel ban the right he talked about the travel ban i won in the supreme court uh actually the lower courts are about to enjoin it again cuz it doesn't matter but b as i noted on my show on monday the numbers haven't gone down much it's not a travel ban it's five countries and even those five countries there's so many exceptions that we're letting in. So much so that there's now lawsuits because he's created such a baseline of um of uh exceptions and waivers. Other people are saying you're doing it capriciously and you're not you don't have a standard. You're not letting me in. And again, I'm not defending the courts. You know me, I think they have no business doing this. But I'm just saying it doesn't help that Trump is so hypocritical. Like, he doesn't do things categorically and fully, and that's the thing. If you want to declare an emergency, declare it in your voice, in your rhetoric, and in your policies, holistically. Do it all. All hands on deck. Deputize the marshals. Deputize BLM, DEA, Park Rangers. Local law enforcement, if the governor gives permission, could also be deputized. So, you know, Sheriff Wilmot and Daniels, our friends that we have on the show, they you know, they'd be willing to go along with it. They could sign off on it. They could be deputized to now enforce immigration law. It's not perfect, but it, it, it's adding to the deterrent. And this stuff he has cleanly, cleanly. Clean authority. It doesn't even say if it's an emergency. Deploy the military, threaten the cartels, designate them as terror groups. Take it holistically. The media is going to challenge you no matter what, but you would get more respect if you went the route we went, which is anyway policy-wise the way to do it. But again, for Trump, this really is not about policy. It's about solving his problem with the base. So um, you know this this is just uh this is just nuts. This is so frustrating, so frustrating. I don't know. It's been a long week. Like I said, this is the type of week that I would have wanted to go elsewhere, just tune it out. Well, we'll see what happens. Anyway, um. I'll link to this piece. There's a lot of lot to unpack in it. Uh, and, and look, I appreciate that Drudge after pushing Trump during the primary, very instrumental in getting him the nomination. Now he's basically dumb Trump. So, you know, he's got both my articles up there. Both my articles are now up there. So we'll see what happens. But this is really, really frustrating. Want to just clean up, like I said, with a couple of of items here. So first of all, the ACLU, like I said, they now have a lawsuit against even the provision at San Diego keeping the migrants in Mexico while they process the asylum. Again, Trump is admitting. I mean, the funny thing is, if you're going to play the court game, at least do it in Texas. I mean, and you're, he should have applied it nationwide, but he only did it in San Diego. But if you're going to pick one place, do it in Texas. So at least you get the Fifth Circuit. Like, these are the stupid things they do. Just totally dumb. Drives me nuts. Just, I can't stand it. Another very important article I want, I want to point out to you guys, and this is something that needs a lot of attention. This is from thehill.com. Immigration judges say they're leaving jobs because of Trump policies. Immigration judges are reportedly leaving their roles or anticipating their departure, citing sweeping changes to the court under Trump administration policies. BuzzFeed News reported Wednesday. By the way, this is all a legacy of Sessions. Judges told the outlet that they and their colleagues are departing their posts due to concerns about their jobs being politicized, as well as the increasing backlog driven in part by the administration's policies, ending immigration judges' ability to indefinitely suspend certain cases and new restrictions on when asylum can be granted. And they quote a bunch of judges. We're going to link to this in show notes. This is very important because this demonstrates we've had snakes in the woodpile for so long. Do you know how many illegals have been set free? See, a lot of people are citing this statistic that roughly 90% of asylum petitions from Central Americans are turned down. But the real number is it should be 100%. Not a single one of them is um, legitimate. That 10% is from these liberal immigration judges. It's another very big problem. They're just letting people go left and right. So, I think it's important that we recognize the people who work in the immigration field. Who becomes an immigration judge? Nine out of ten times it's an ACLU or National Immigrant Law Center one of the source groups that worked in immigration law swung from the other side i had a ice agent tell me that he literally there were times you know for months he would duke it out with these immigration lawyers on the other side of the aisle in the in the courtroom you know they're deporting someone you know this guy is defending them a couple months later he has to sit in the court where that very lawyer is now the judge presiding Again, it's not an Article Three court, it's an administrative court. But that's what it is. This has been a big part of the amnesty story. That we've had immigration judges. The percentage of immigration cases that resulted in release by immigration judges, it surged from 30% to 50%. Roughly from 2012 to 2016, in the second term of Obama, some of the big trafficking hubs like New York and Boston, it was 80% it surged. 80% of the cases that came before them resulted in them being released. So meaning, it's not just that a lot of them never show up, and that's catch and release, de facto amnesty. Even the ones that do show up, they often let them go. Give them an affirmative reprieve. We just don't matter. All I could tell you guys is this. The good news is it's going to get worse. And what I mean is it's not like this is a one-shot deal, like they screwed us on a bill dealing with taxes, and it's not like a live issue. It's a one-time shot, and there's nothing we can do. This issue will get worse, and it's going to get worse now with this amnesty provision. You're going to now have much more now coming from all over the world, not just Central America. And We're going to highlight that. CBP is already putting that out. India, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Congo, Cameron, Ghana, certainly Cuba and Venezuela. Venezuela is the next shoe to drop. The next, the next Guatemala. It's going to happen. At some point, it's got to reach a tipping point. And the best I can do is try to, you know, Get these articles out. People like Drudge, for better or worse, put them up. I'll take it any day of the week. Fox certainly won't have me on, so that's going to be my notoriety. Um, And do what I can to expose the severity of it because it's too subtle. The media covers it up. A lot of the negative things we see in this country, we don't even realize how much of it is traced back to the cartels and the courts and illegal immigration all we could do is continue making our case. But one thing I will not do, I will not make other people's cases. I will not defend Trump on the on what he's doing in particular. Even though it's often it kind of overlaps a little bit. But it's just, I can't defend him better than he can defend himself. I could just defend what we should be doing as a standalone. That's the best we can do. Again, thanks for your thoughts and prayers. I really Just want to close with a thank you to those of you who sent me all your notes like, hey, I'd be willing to chip in for a trip to the border. You should have a GoFundMe and the audience will chip in. Look, you know, I don't feel comfortable asking for money. Um, I understand what you're saying. Some of you are like, hey, you know, if you really believe in this and this is part of it, other people do this. Part of it is that I haven't pinpointed exactly what I want to do there. Meaning if I would ask you guys for money i would really want to articulate exactly an itinerary of what i expect to accomplish from it and that's something i'm still building i spoke with some sheriffs today and said hey you know how would it look if i were to come down what would you do and they're like yeah you got a standing invitation i'll take you around but i got to you know i want to make sure it's not a waste of money of you know 1000 1500 dollars whatever it would be also you got to work out which parts of the border it's so remote it's it's so hard to visit all the areas. So you kind of got to pick one area where you'll see the most of it. So I'm not going to just do it, hey, give me the money, and then I'll come up with some sort of strategy. I really want to articulate better what I'm doing. Um, And again, if I could do that, I might just do it myself, pay for it, um, if I feel that strongly about it. But you guys are the best. Um, I, you know, a lot of you, I know, make comments to the effect of, I thought I was crazy. I finally feel so unarticulated what I feel in my heart. I just don't necessarily know the details, but I know it's true. I feel the same about you. I think I'm crazy sometimes. Like, am I the only one seeing this? So it's good to know there's other people who think like me as well because um, it's awfully lonely. And that includes within this fake conservative movement. So there you are. Anyway, enjoy your weekend. Have a great time. Spend time with your family as I will with mine. God bless you all. This has been another episode of the Conservative Conscience.